Hey guys, welcome to the Celtics Pulse podcast. I'm Adam at Celtics Pulse. I'm Derek at Sporting Dad. And we have a special guest today. Would you like to introduce yourself, please? Uh, I'm Greeny from Barcelona Sports. So thanks for coming on today, Greeny. I know you're a busy guy. Anytime, no problem. So yeah, the, uh, the schedule got released today. How do you think the opening weeks look for us and further on into the season? Yeah, so, I mean, we kind of, Gary Washburn had leaked uh, that the Celts and Sixers were going to open a few days ago, so I've already been mentally preparing for that, but it's good to see. I think they have either, like, the, the second or third most national TV games, which kind of scares me because the Celtics <laughs> don't always play the best on national TV. Um, but, I mean, it's always, I'm ready for basketball season, obviously, so I'm a big, I'm a big fan of it. Hell yeah, man. So, uh, yeah, it looks like the big games that come out here are obviously Golden State at home in January and then the Lakers at home on TNT Thursday in February. Um, I think those are the two big games that stand out other than opening night with the Sixers. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, what do you think the upcoming season? you think 60 wins is attainable or do you think that that, uh, you know, with the, guy, the big uh, stars, you know, Kyrie and Gordon coming back for major injury, you know, maybe they limit their and you know limit their minutes and come off to you know come out to maybe not quite the start like last year. Well, I think it's a dangerous game to think that you know just because they won what fifty five games last year and they're adding all this talent that they're going to be a sixty sixty plus win team. It's it's really hard to win sixty games in the NBA. Having said that, they have the talent to be. In the, in the high 50s and low 60s, if everything were to go right. You know, obviously, when Hayward went down, that sort of, you know, they were still able to, you know, maintain that elite status in the East. But how many times can you really go through that, right? Like, if we lose Kyrie for the full year, are we going to have that same sort of, you know, all-star performance from everybody else to keep them in the one seat? So, Barring health, they should get it. But I just advise a lot of Celtic fans to just be patient. Let's see how they look. Let's not pencil them into the finals until we actually, you know, see them get there. Sure. I mean, Jalen already came out and pretty much said, you know, well, he did say, you know, I expect to be in the finals. So that's essentially a prediction. I mean, do you think that that's a little bold this early or do you think that's just the right mindset? No, I mean, I'm going to contradict myself because I fucking love what Jalen said it. But <laughs> I mean, anything Jalen says, but yeah. yeah, man. I mean, I saw that and I just got rock hard at work. I couldn't even handle it. I mean, that's like, I want my young talent to have that, that swagger, that confidence, because I know that, you know, this isn't a guy that's just going to do all the talking. He's going to, he's in a, a franchise and a system that requires that he puts in the work. And I don't know, I'll, I'll scroll Instagram or, you know, Twitter or whatever, see a video of him working out with Brad Stevens, and I believe him when he says that he truly thinks that they'll make the finals. But I think Brad and Ainge are going to, you know, we'll see Wick maybe, you know, in the preseason go out and try to lower expectations. But, I mean, if everybody's healthy, they're no longer the underdog. They're going to have to actually put up or shut up and, and raise their game and actually get over the hump into the finals. So I can't wait to see if they can do it. I know. I mean, it seems like in years previous, Brad didn't have the expectations. So when he overachieved, so to speak, you know, he's obviously already become almost a legend to speak. I mean, it's so crazy how fast it's happened. I mean, do you think with the expectations this year of, you know, essentially finals or the season is going to be considered a disappointment by a lot of Celtics fans? Do you think, you know, that'll change the way, you know, that they approach anything? Or do you think it's just, you know, 
uh, par for the course? Yeah, so I think it's just all part of the rebuild, right? So think of when things first started and they were terrible and they couldn't, you know, they were probably the worst team in the league, right? That was the first step. That's the Brad's making the transition. He's figuring out the NBA. Then the next year they trade for Isaiah. The expectations then change. And Brad brings the team and elevates everybody to meet those expectations. They make the playoffs, have a tremendous second half with Isaiah. And, you know, obviously they got swept. But at that time, they had zero talent other than Isaiah and and Olenek, really. And we're still able to get over that hump. Then, so you say, okay, heading into the next season, now they've shown they can make the playoffs. You know, what's that for real? And then they backed it up. And that he's sort of been on this upward trajectory of every time he's had the next stage of the development to hurdle over, he's gotten there. And so now talent certain isn't an issue. Having the respect of the locker room and people buying in certainly isn't the issue. So there's everything that's set up for them to take that step. And you have to think that based on their history, they do it. Yeah, I think I think that, you know, Brad of all if anybody can handle it, Brad can. He's obviously shown to be nothing but uh cool comic collected, very uh even killed, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely interested to see if this is, you know, if he's able to elevate where with the expectations being almost, you know, finals or, or boss, you know, if he's able to deliver that and, and also handle the Know, the minute situation with the now having, I think, the deepest lead team in the league. Yeah, and, and honestly, his role as a head coach is sort of shifting. So before it was he has to teach all these young dudes how to play basketball and compete in the NBA. But now his responsibility isn't talent-related. It's more how do I manage the egos of everybody on the roster? How do I make sure Kyrie's rested? How do I make sure that Gordon is integrated while not compromising You know the confidence of, Jason Tatum. So he has a completely different role where before it was maybe X's and O's. Now he can just tell his guys to go play and they can get carried on talent. So it would be really interesting to see how he adapts to that change. Yeah, so, I mean, again, with the the depth this team has, do you think it's possible to have four-plus All-Stars this year or is that a reach? Um, I just think it's a, I don't know, it's like the Hawks did it. They had four that one time and they were a 60-something win team. So it's certainly possible, but it just depends, right? Like, is Al Horford going to make it again, given, you know, how he was, you know, viewed as not really an all-star by some? I thought he obviously deserved it, but the East is deep at positions where, you know, we have a lot of repeat guys. So if Tatum's going to be a small forward, who are you bumping out on the East? Maybe he takes the bronze spot, obviously, but um, I don't know. I think four is a stretch. I would assume three, but... I don't really care about that. I'd rather at this point, like, let Kyrie get the rest. Let Al get the rest. You know, we have bigger, bigger sites than just, you know, the All-Star weekend. Yeah, exactly. Do you think Kyrie or Gordon will have, like, a major minute restriction to start? Or do you think it's just going to be skipping games here and there? Uh, it'll probably be scheduled rest. I think everyone will probably – I think in an ideal world, Brad will just play everyone, like, 30-ish minutes and just spread it out because they are so deep. But there are going to be some games where – the classic Celtics show up and they struggle offensively. And, you know, one of those guys is going to have to play 35, 40 minutes. But it is going to be a long season. And, and obviously they're in a situation where they have guys that can fill in from that second unit. So you don't have to put, you know, unnecessary minutes on a guy just because you need that talent. So I would imagine that we'll see Kyrie probably rest more than Hayward just because Kyrie has a larger history. 
Hayward's was more of like a freak accident and he hasn't played in, you know, about a year. So I would expect more maintenance for Kyrie above anything else. So, yeah, did you hear about the uh, the chant that Gordon Hayward wants? I guess he was I did. On, uh, <laughs> no, it's I awful. It. It was daddy something. It was weird. <laughs> yeah, daddy's always happy. So I blogged daddy's it today. Oh, thank uh, you. Thank you. Yeah, so, I mean, I just asked him, like, you got to just focus on watching film, focus on your rehab. You got to get <laughs> out of the chant game. That was like, I put in the blog uh, the list of all the Bill Simmons chants. Did you guys see those before uh, the Eastern Conference Finals? I did. I did, yeah. Oh, my God. It was, like, just as bad as that. So, I mean, <laughs> I love him. I hope he has a tremendous year, but he's got to stop trying to make this Daddy's Always Happy chant happen. It's terrible. I know. I don't. I guess he um, – I guess that all got spread, though, because he told some people that he was gaming with. I guess he was playing, like, Fortnite or something. And that's how that came. He told the, uh, the guy to try to get the fans to start that. Yeah, so I mean – I don't know if he's confirmed it, though. It's a terrible idea. He's got to change his mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But uh, you know, again, we'll uh, we'll see if the uh, if the crowd, you know, the crowd's gonna try to do it once, almost. Oh, hundred like percent. Yeah, his his first free throw attempt. They're gonna probably. It'll sound like Ring Around the Rosie, and it's. I mean, it's gonna happen. Just get it out of the system. I can't. I, we're not. Celtics Twitter does a lot of weird things, but this cannot be one of them. Yeah. Again, I don't even. Red Celtics Twitter is kind of like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I mean, anyone with a brain. I can understand it, but got to move on. <laughs> Can't have it. Sure, sure. So, um, you know, next thing I wanted to ask about, do you think Mook is, um, Mook obviously played a major role last year, played a ton of minutes, especially down the, you know, at the end of the year. Do you think he's like the odd man out here? Cause it seems to be on paper. They got a, you know, a, only uh what not you no know, nine spots that they're trying to or nine or ten guys that they're going to rotate? Will he be the ninth, tenth guy? Or do you think he'll still get his twenty twenty five minutes? Uh he probably won't get his twenty twenty five. I mean, just think about it. Like, okay, if you have, um, well, he could. It just depends, right? If if he's going to be that backup, you know, wing, maybe you know, small ball four coming off the bench, you could maybe find him. Maybe a guy gets in foul trouble and he's your first go to guy, but. On that second unit, he's really going to have to still be that number one, you know, scoring option, especially when you have streaky shooters like, you know, Terry and Marcus. They're going to need some guy who can just you can just give the ball to and go get a bucket. So whether that's, you know, a full time role there, a spot start here, if you're resting somebody, I think he's he's probably going to end up asking to be traded come February, you know, maybe to a contender, maybe when they're trying to shed something or trade it for a playoff piece. But you can never have too much wing depth and outside shooting depth, so I don't think Ainge moves him before you know he absolutely has to. And do you think that obviously, even in the reduced minutes being on a, a wing team, it's it's a good situation for him anyway. Coming into it's a contract year, isn't it? Right. So if he can if he can show that he can play in this system, he can be a good soldier, and you know everybody makes like five more million just from the Brad Stevens bump. So I think for him, it's more important that he stays here and plays his role well than to go to a trash team and put up empty numbers. I mean, if he's looking to get paid, a lot of people get paid coming from this system. Yeah, it seemed that way. But with Marcus, no one made him an offer. At least that was the report. So it seems almost like GMs are getting wise to that after Evan Turner, after Isaiah, etc. True, but you got to remember the teams this summer that had the money didn't really have a need for a player like Marcus. 
You know what I mean? If you're Sacramento, you don't need to pay big money because you don't need guard help. If you're Chicago, you don't need guard help. So I think next summer, if you were to have hit the market, when there's a lot more teams that have that 2016 money coming off the books, his market looks a whole lot different than he does with, you know, the Atlantas, the Sacramentos, the Brooklyns of the world. None of those teams needed what he provides. So uh, I don't it's he's definitely not the you know nineteen twenty million dollar player that he views himself, but he is probably more of the fourteen, fifteen, sixteen million on the open market when more teams can you know bid on him. Yeah, sure, I think right. if he leaves, then it's going to be more Boston getting under the luxury tax than than it's him pushing his way out. Yeah, that's important, right? Because if they if they're if they keep Morris, then they're on, then they're over it. I was actually surprised that. You know, they, they structured Smart the way he did. I thought they maybe would have tried to sort of back-end his deal so that they could get under and not be a repeater offender when they have to pay everybody next summer. But I don't know. I don't. But Wick has also said that he'll pay whatever the taxes as long as they win. So it's not my money. I don't give a fuck. That's true. I mean, again, <laughs> last year Cleveland was by far the highest roster in the league. And, you know, they had they uh, Gilbert paid it. So if Wick can uh... – you know, if they're winning and they get to the finals, I think Wick would pony it up. But, I mean, we're also <laughs> trying to predict next year what he's going to do, who he's going to resign. You got Terry restricted, Kyrie unrestricted. You know, Al has that option after, um, you know. So, I mean, there's a there's a ton of ton of decisions here. So, I mean, what the cap will look, you know, and what, you know, if the, is the cap going to go up next year? Is that already decided? Can't I think yeah. I think maybe that. by a couple couple million, something like one hundred nine, maybe or something. Maybe I saw that wrong. Yeah, but so I think it's a bit, but... it's a slight bump, but either way, not enough to where it's not going to hurt Wick in the pocket. Yeah, definitely. So I mean, and again, the, the whole Kyrie situation still has to play itself out. It's it's going to be good drama, if you know. I mean, unless he says otherwise, but I don't. I don't think he'd be wise to. Yeah, it's something that I, I've been freaking out. I've been losing sleep over this since the second he became a Celtic. And I just feel like, for whatever reason, nobody realized that he had this situation up until this summer. And it's like, no, he could always – he was always a flight risk the second you traded yeah. for him. But, I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to leave the next power in the East where you are the center focal point offensively and everything else to go join the Knicks or the Nets? I mean – Listen, if that's who he is, then that's, I mean, that says a lot about him. But I just don't think, I think he's a competitor at heart. I think he wants to prove he can win away from LeBron on a team that's his. This team is his. So I hope he stays, for the love of God. I think he stays. But to make the argument, if you win a title in New York, you have royalty. Yeah, but you may, how far away are they from winning a title? Even if they were to bring in Kyrie, Jimmy Butler, and had a 85% Porzingis or a 90% Porzingis, that's still not beating this team, even if you just subtract Kyrie. This team is so much deeper. And that way, that enables you to for sure keep Terry, and then you're going to free up that $35 million in cap space that you owed him. So I just don't see how he can say, okay, I'm going to go team up with a twenty what twenty nine year old twenty eight year old Jimmy Butler, and then be the new dynasty of the East when the Celtics all their talent is 24, 23 years old. I mean, unless he has a conversation with Anthony Davis about two years from now, or three years, or you know, Cat when he's up. Though I think they were talking about, but I don't think it happened a mega extension of one of those mega deals for Cat for this stuff. You know, but I don't know if that ever. I don't think it got finalized. 
even still, I think it's more. It's just like when New York thought they were getting LeBron and all that stuff. Like that's what they do. Meanwhile, Ainge has built his team around in what two and a half years. So I'm still, I still think Kyrie. You know, his dad went to BU. He's got connections. Um, and again, he's the man here. So what more could you want, really? Yeah, I, I kind of understand why you'd want to move to the Knicks when it's so poorly run in the back, like from the front office and stuff. It just makes no sense. Right, and like, there's a reason that guys don't want to go there. It's like James Dolan's going to own that team forever, and as long as the, he owns the team, they're never going to win. You know, the, the, a strong ownership group is the foundation of every successful franchise in the NBA. So it's like you start there, and they're not even close to having that. They're they're an afterthought in my mind. I said uh, for the East, it would be good if the Knicks were competitive, like as the con- like a division and a conference. Yeah, overall, definitely. Yeah, it's that's why. With yeah, I feel the same way. Like about the Sixers, like I want the Sixers to not be frauds. I want them to actually be as good as Sixers Twitter wants to make them out to be. Just because that makes the division that much more competitive. If you have you know a good Sixers team, a good Celtics team, a good Raptors team. You know, you're going to have some dogfights in this division. And, I mean, who doesn't want competitive basketball? Like, sure, it'll be great to, you know, be the Warriors and blow everyone out. But, like, the Celtics never blow everyone out. So I'd rather just watch good basketball. Yeah, I think the yeah, East is uh, underratedly loaded this year as far as, you know, you, have, you, you mentioned the teams you mentioned, plus the Pacers. And then you have the Washington. When they're healthy, they're a lot better than I think they showed last year. And then uh, Milwaukee. I mean, I think one through eight. Uh, you know, the playoff teams are going to be very solid. So it's not going to be an easy, you know, again, the whole finals or bust thing. It's not going to be easy. No, definitely not. And even if even if they're, these other teams didn't have the, the young talent that they do, it would never still be easy. That's just what the Celtics do. Like, they're going to make us sweat this, especially now that we expect them to be so good. Like, I already know I'm just going to be frustrated way more times than I can count. But compared to the West, obviously the East – there's some discrepancy, but I agree. If you look up and down this roster, you're up and down this conference, there's guys on those rosters that, you know, are all-star level talent. They're young, they're athletic, they're only going to get better. So, you know, while people may think the East is the far superior conference, it wouldn't shock me if that flips in, you know, three, four or five years, if that. Yeah, and that's the, that's the benefit of, like the East sucking for so long, all these high-level draft picks were going out East, and now it's slowly going to start leveling itself out, and then we'll be the stronger um, conference for a while. Exactly, it's like you have probably let's say three more-ish years of true Warriors dominance. By that time, LeBron will probably gone be gone. You'll have, I mean, really, who is there outside of? Of you know the you know the Spurs will be dead, all they'll be gone. It's like the Rockets, Harden will be on the other side of thirty. Chris Paul will probably be retired. So when you look at what the, where the future of the league is, if everybody stays in their conference, you got you know everybody on the Celtics, everybody on the Sixers, Giannis, Porzingis. Um, you know, there's tons and tons of talent to enter. You know, to carry the league through that next wave. Plus, that's assuming KD stays in Golden State for three, four more years. You know, I mean that too. I mean, I'm, I don't expect him to be there for uh, maybe another year after this, but I, I actually expect him to move on eventually. I don't know. I think as long as they're winning titles and competing in finals, like why would you want to leave? <laughs> like, what if Kev, what if Durant ends up with five, Steph's six team. titles? That's that's Steph's team. That's why. 
I don't know. I mean, do you think he really can? I don't know. Everyone always says he's soft because of his online bullshit, but, like, <laughs> I don't think he cares as long as he's winning championships, and that's ultimately – like, when he goes up to the Hall of Fame, are people going to talk shit because he played with Steph Curry, or are they going to say, here's a dude who was a four-time finals MVP, you know, five-time champion, whatever. It's like – If I'm being honest, I think it's both. I think he's a great player, and then I think they're going to bring up the Golden State move. Absolutely. I don't know. I, I just think it's like – that's just how the, he had an opportunity to go to a team to win. That's what any any of us would do. I think I'm not holding it against him. I'm just saying if he doesn't like say try to go to another team, maybe join Kyrie in New York. Let's just throw that out there and win a title there. That wouldn't even cement his, his legacy even more and kind of get rid of the whole joining the team, the 73 win team that you lost in Game Seven to. You know. All right, but what if he were to team up with, like, Kyrie, like all these other all-stars in a different city? Would you – would people not have that same perception just because he would be, you know – because he's still – if you're ranking players in the NBA, he's a better player than Steph Curry, you know what I mean? So if he were to join a team with a whole bunch of all-NBA talent and Anthony Davis – let's say he joined that Anthony Davis and Kyrie Irving Nick team and they won a title, would he have a different – would he have, like – uh, he got away from Golden State and still won. No, I mean, he I didn't join the enemy. It wouldn't be joining the enemy. I'll say that. True, but like for the sake of he, he wasn't he wasn't even the best player in his own team, and that's his knock on Golden State. <laughs> I I think that would be the exact same, right? He would have to be like a LeBron and carry a Cleveland to a title, which is so fucking rare. It's like how can you hold? <laughs> how can that be like the the you know, the bare minimum when LeBron, the greatest player in the history of the sport to some people, you know, was the only one to do something like that. About uh, Jalen Brown saying, guaranteeing the Celtics will go to the finals. Yeah. Uh, do you agree with that confidence that he has? Is he putting his, uh, a little bit of too much legacy on the line? And do you think it would be a disappointment if Celtics didn't make the finals? Uh, so I said it earlier, it was like, I, I'm nervous about that he said it, but at the same time, the homer in me, like, loved it. I love having the confidence from him, but I think even if he said it or not, the expectations of this team are still, you know, the finals. So for me, last year, it was Eastern Conference Finals or a competitive series against LeBron whenever that happens. So for me, they met it last year, but you can't go down. You can't go backwards. So the next step was obviously logically the finals. Unless something crazy happens and, like, four people tear their ACL, anything other than a finals appearance has to be a disappointment. Do you consider Toronto or, or Philly more of a threat? Toronto. Deeper, better bench, better top-end you know, top talent that's been there before. Um, definitely Toronto. Harder home court. I mean, Philly's arena may as well be, like, the Celtics of the South or whatever. You know, the TD Garden South. So Toronto at home is a different beast. Even though they've had the playoff woes, like, you know, that was mostly a LeBron thing than a, than a Raptors thing in my mind. So I just think they're deeper, better coached, all that good stuff. Kawhi's still the best player in the series in your mind? If the, if Celtics, the Celtics were to play them or the, between the... If the Celtics played Toronto, is Kawhi the best player in the series? Uh, if, he, if everyone's 100% healthy, probably. Yeah, I mean, he's like a top three, top five talent if he's, you know, fully healthy. Would yeah. you? I mean, I I think that's I think that's pretty accurate. It's like yeah, I agree. There may be there may be games where like Kyrie takes over and drops forty, but I think if you're evaluating both ends of the floor, like if he's fully healthy, he's an All NBA player on both ends. Yeah, no, I agree completely. 
Yeah. Do you think it was a mistake for the Celtics not to uh, risk a little more in in that Kawhi trade at all? No, hundred percent. No, no. You know, it's like they don't have any of the leverage. Why are you going to give up something of value when you don't need to at a position that you don't really need? So for me, no. I was like, you can take whatever the bare minimum is. They ended up getting a pretty good offer into Rosen. So I wasn't. You know, this was one of the wasn't. I didn't even really want Ainge to be aggressive with it, just because I'd rather you know, put the, the resources in other places, not in a position we already have. So, I mean, best of luck to him, but he's definitely leaving Toronto, so it's probably not going to work out. Is there any chance he stays? Do you think he's 100% out? I think he's 100% out. I think, you know, he's – think. would you rather play in Toronto and not get, be able to get past the Celtics or go home and play with potentially LeBron and be that next team once the Warriors sort of dynasty ends? For me, it's like you go to the Lakers <sighs> – you get out of cold-ass Canada and you go home, you know, to where you're coming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so moving on. Um, so yeah, sure. Everyone's waiting for each other there. So moving on, who, talking about the Lakers for a minute, even though none of us really want it, um, who do you see? You see Kawhi, who's most likely the number one target. But they've got enough room for two stars next, next year. So who else do you see them? So they like, really fit with what they're trying to do. It wouldn't shock me if they go Kawhi, Boogie, Kawhi. I mean, who else is going to be – who else hits the market next year? I'm thinking it's like – that's like the Russell Westbrook year, or does he, his extension already kick in? Um, I mean, on else, Cousins, uh, if they wanted Cousins, they probably could have had him cheaper this offseason considering, I mean, he took the minimum. So Right, but, if, but it's one of those – it's like the – they didn't – I feel like for them, it's like, why waste a roster spot for a guy who can't play? When for them, it's like, we can bring in guys just to potentially flip at the deadline. So, like, the price wasn't a lot, but maybe he doesn't take that with the Lakers like he did for the Warriors, just because obviously that's the best situation in the NBA. But if he balls out and is the the same old DeMarcus Cousins, they'd be silly not to go after him because the Lakers don't really have a center. Yeah, yeah. I could see them going going for a big win. I mean, do you see them keeping Lanza? I, I see that being like a, a subplot for the Lakers through to the trade deadline. I think it's they're gonna Lavar Ball might not even let them trade Lonzo. They'll he'll probably like tear his ACL, hit him with a bat in the knee or something. Um, but I don't see why they would want to get rid of him because when you think of guys that LeBron is gonna want to play with, right? You want guys that are pass first, not shoot first. So, for me, he's the perfect point guard. He's kind of like that early Rondo, right, where he's this tremendous passer. He could get hot offensively. He can rebound. He can defend. So, I see him fitting that same sort of role like Rondo did with our big three. So, he's just going to be the facilitator. He can hit an open three if you get it to him. So, I think LeBron's going to want to keep Lonzo just because he doesn't need to shoot to be effective. Yeah, because people are saying, like, there's two different camps when you're looking online at the moment. Some people are saying Rondo came in to, to take minutes and replace Lonzo. And other people are like, nah, dude, that's, like, the perfect guy to mentor Lonzo, similar games. Which, which, which sort of camp are you sitting in with that one? Uh, I think he's just there to mentor. I mean, when you look at Rondo's career, after he spent nine seasons in Boston, he's never spent more than one season with any other team. So yeah. I don't exactly think the Lakers view... Rondo as the point guard of their future, I think they say, okay, here's a guy who is similar to a young point guard that we have. He'll be the leader. I mean, everything you hear from Rondo, it's like he's a dickhead on the court, but he's so great in the locker room and that presence. So I think him and, you know, him 
he may pick fights with everybody else, the McGee's, the Beasley's of the world. But when it comes to Le- LeBron and the starters and competing, I think that's why they want him so he can sort of instill that in Lonzo because they think Lonzo is the future, not a, a replacement. I found the Rondo going to L.A. was interesting, being that he just came off a postseason where he had like a game with like, what, 20 assists? So, yeah, like, I hate it. I mean, really I can't – seeing Rondo seeing Rondo in a Lakers uniform is going to be the worst day of my life. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> he's got a young kid in front of him that they're not going to bench. He, I, he's starting caliber. Now, obviously, New Orleans, I don't know if they didn't offer him more money or what the deal was, or they just didn't want him back. But it just seemed like it was a good fit in New Orleans. So, it kind of Yeah, so me. that story – if you guys hadn't heard it, that story is pretty crazy. He pretty much – when the, when the Lakers offered him whatever he signed for, I can't remember the numbers, he called New Orleans and said that they had to give him an answer in five minutes. And they were like, <laughs> I didn't hear that. Yeah, so they, he literally called them up. I can't remember where I heard this or I read this or something, but he called them up and was like, you need to give me an answer in five minutes. And they were like, what do you, what do you mean? That's, and then he's like, fuck it. And then he went to the Lakers. Wow, no, I did not know that. That's, that seems like a Rondo move, though. It's almost like he didn't, he didn't want them to match, so he just kind of. You know. Right, which is crazy because know. you know they have a lot of guards on that team, but at the same time, it's like you're leaving Anthony Davis to go play with like Michael Beasley. <laughs> I know. I mean, that team, you know, really played well in the postseason, and then they added Randall because you know they didn't have Cousins in the postseason, so you just add Randall to the team you already had. I like Randall a lot. I think he's going to be a great piece next to Davis. So I'm just surprised that New Orleans didn't try to bring him down, bring him back. To have a, you know the starting point guard, facilitator, and a veteran you know presence. Right. It's it'll be weird. I think a lot of those teams in the West, the you know the the Portlands, the New Orleans, the Utahs. How now that they had the years that they did last season, and there's going to be real expectations. It's going to be very interesting to see you know how real they were, how real their season last year was, if they can back it up or not. I mean, if they don't, if they somehow slip, and in, in the West, if you slip, you're out of the playoffs like Denver last year. So if they were to miss the playoffs, then you start the, you know, Anthony Davis rumors are really going to pick up because they'll, I'm sure people will stop playing stories that he's unhappy. Exactly. The problem is he has three years left. So even if they stink this year, they don't really have to worry about it unless they're bad next year. So because right now, the, even if – he hates it there. He, Davis has absolutely no leverage to get out of New Orleans, and the Pelicans are obviously in no rush to trade him. Now, obviously, his value goes down every you know every day that they don't trade him. But if they end up having to move him if he has a year left, but at the same time, he's going to be 25, 26 years old. Even if let's say they don't trade him, and then he changes his mind and hits the free agent market at twenty seven. I mean, that's there's worse things in the world than a free agent Anthony Davis at just twenty seven. True. I just is the third year a player option though. I feel like a lot of those mega deals are. I think it's a it may be a player option, um, which obviously he doesn't need to. Is his situation will be different from Horford's? That you know, here's a guy who's yeah. definitely opting into his thirty million. Anthony Davis so. doesn't I have mean, to opt into shit. You know, he can <laughs> he even if it, even if that number is something crazy like you know thirty million dollars, he's going to get thirty five forty on the open market. Hey, did you so see the? Did, I see, Did you see the pics of uh, Ky- Ky- the pictures of Kyrie and uh, Anthony Davis at the Team USA camp? 
Oh, absolutely. I saw him whispering sweet nothings into his ear, you know, the same way he was yeah. <laughs> recruiting him at the same way he was doing the same shit at the All-Star game. Like, that's just – Danny Ainge requires all of his point guards to be recruiters. That's just <laughs> – it's what you have to do. Isaiah did it, and he came through. Kyrie's – I mean, it's no coincidence that every time these two are together, we see Kyrie whispering shit into his ear. It's has Danny Ainge written all over it. What do you see? Sorry, what do you think with the the picks at the minute? They all come, they, obviously we need to move them. So you see them being packaged in with um, with Mook somewhere down the line to try and move that, or do you see us waiting to see if they convey and then just draft and stash in? Because we ain't gonna have the spots to to take all three. Yeah, so I think anytime you're dealing with these high lottery picks, you're not going to be able to move them until at least the lottery, because you know, especially if you're going to be targeting these high talented players. You know, in my opinion, the other team would want to know what the guarantee is, at least of what the lottery is. So I think, if anything, we'll see it moved next summer. I don't think we'll see anything at the trade deadline attached to move just because, you know, you have to think of they saved the Brooklyn picks for a player like Kyrie. And obviously the Sacramento pick is in a top heavy draft as valuable as what those Brooklyn picks are. So you don't want to just throw it in to a trade for a guy that isn't that all NBA talent. And then you just wonder if you get to February, what all NBA talent is even going to be on the, uh, on the trade market. Yeah, it's going to be a nice, it's a nice problem to have. For, I mean, even if you trade the free, if they, come, if they all come back and they're all quite not um, sitting around that, what, where were we looking one to 15 mark for all three? Is it? I think so. I think, yeah. So, um, so Sacramento is obviously one protected. I think the the Memphis pick is like top nine protected, and the Clippers are top fifteen or top thirteen, something like that. Yeah, so I, I mean, I'd be happy come trade um, to package all them three and to get the first pick for if if that's a possibility. And then obviously you're only filling one roster spot with a high level talent. Right, and I think it all just depends on again, like what there's going to be someone that we don't even know is going to be on the trade block. Someone's going to hit the market. Someone's going to become available because he's unhappy or something like that. So I think now we, I'd be fine if we were patient and waited until the summer. But obviously, if the if the right situation presents itself and it costs you a Mook, a Memphis, and uh, the um, the Clippers pick, obviously you do that. But at the same time, if you could hold on to that and maybe pull off a bigger deal, I'm fine waiting. These GMs need to have figured out not to trade now. I know. That's the truth. Do you have any more questions you had planned in? Uh, no, just, you know, I think we covered most of the uh, Celtics, Anthony Davis. I love talking about the Anthony Davis stuff. That's like my uh, uh, my my Celtics porn. I don't know. For some reason, I just think that Danny's going to get him. I think I, I think Danny, I think the same way it's the, it's the porn for you, I think Ainge Watching him on YouTube late at night is like his Mormon porn. Like that's all he needs. Yeah, if yeah, we had so a day, day that would we'll just become horrible, man. But no, I'm just uh, I'm excited about the upcoming year here. I know we, you know, the schedule release. I don't think that that really. I know it's fun to talk about, but I think we, you know, once once it gets going, you know, we'll. Uh, all the games, uh, outside of like three or four games, it's just going to be a long season. It's kind of a just, you know, just, just stay healthy, don't get injured, and, you know, get the one seed, and then we'll take it from there. Did they announce London games today? 
Do they have London? I don't know. I didn't see that. I didn't see that either. I was hoping to catch a game down there. I feel like last shit, I wouldn't mind it if they didn't because that was like, they had what, six, seven days in between each game on either side of that? That was torture. Dude, you know those people that went there that don't even watch the Celtics piss me off, man. It's so hard. <laughs> it really got under my skin. It's like, fuck, man, these tickets are so hard to get and it's just being full of fucking people that don't watch basketball. <laughs> Did they announce who's playing in England this year? No, that's what I'm, I'm pissed off for, man. I was like, even if it weren't the Celtics, as long as it's a good team, I'm, it's like a two-hour journey for me, man. I'm, I'm going down there. Huh? But no, I haven't said anything yet. I hope there, there definitely will be London games. There has to be. The NBA wants that market, for sure. Yeah, they're, um, it's growing. It's growing. I'll give them that. I mean, more people... But that's what it is. I mean, I'm gonna. I'm lucky enough. I'll probably catch the. Oh, I'm gonna have to catch a Lakers game, so I'll probably catch Lakers Raptors, which will be good. And then try and get out to Boston to catch a, a TD game and just before the playoffs. Yeah, man. Nothing like the Garden. That's for damn sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna try and get out. I'm gonna look at, look at the schedule for around April time, February. See what's going on, and then get. Just book a flight. I think February is the Lakers. If you <laughs> if you get some dough, yeah, man, we'll see how it goes. I can't see why not. The flights are dirt cheap now. I don't see a reason not to. <laughs> You'll be paying a pretty penny to get in the garden on LeBron night on the Lakers. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> yeah, dude, but I'll be saving on the flights. I mean, the flights are like half the price they were last year, so it'll just it'll okay. just break even. Right on. I hope. I hope it, yeah, yeah, it's going to be, be there. Am I going to be there? I'll probably be. I'll probably be working. I'll probably be manning the blog for it. Um, oh, nice. If I don't have to, you're damn right. But at the same time, I, I see my future being just uh, available <laughs> for that. <laughs> yeah, I'll, uh, I don't know yet. I'm. I'm waiting to see I, again. Uh, got a, uh, a season ticket package with my brother-in-law. For, it's only one of those ten-game packages in the sports deck. Yeah, we gotta wait and see what the options are, and if that's one of the games, obviously we gotta pick it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think if you're gonna go in on yeah. ten games, you might as well go see that. I mean, yeah, that's not. I guess I can't brag, but I'm really excited to see the uh, packages. See what uh, see what games they got for us. I think they go on sale Wednesday, so be ready. I think Wednesday is is when they release all their tickets. What one game tickets as well, or just season tickets? Uh, I think everything. I think individual, everything. Box office goes on sale. Fuck it. I'm buying them up, man. All the rest of it. <laughs> Good shit. Yeah, man. Like, um, so looking at the East as well, who do you see as the, like, the, the sleeper team, the team everybody's kind of, you know, oh, they're basically who surprised us as the East. There's always one team that does way better as the paces. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me if someone like Charlotte took a mini little jump or maybe Detroit got back to, you know, a 7-8 seed type, you know, type team. But nobody, I think, is going to show up and, and be like the Pacers where it's like a 3-4 seed out of nowhere. I mean, that was very unusual. And, you know, I don't think there's any – nobody's really getting back like a missing piece due to injury that was in that, you know, 8-9 seed range that is going to make me think that they're going to get home court in the first round or anything like that. So small jumps for teams like Charlotte and, and fringe playoff teams like that. And then obviously, 
you know, Miami, you know, the the Indianas, they're going to continue to to make their jumps too. Yeah, man. I mean, I think Detroit. I was saying this. Um, I, I had a podcast with Dante on deck the other day, and I was saying with Detroit, it's just going to be old school basketball, man. They're just going to body people down low and just grind their way through. I could see them sneaking in um, a low a low playoff place. Yeah, they. I mean, they lost Reggie Jackson, which obviously hurt them from the guard position. They didn't really have yeah. anybody to fill in, but. I think, you know, anytime you got the two bigs like that with Blake and Drummond, I mean, they're going to be a handful if they're both healthy. I mean, we know firsthand experience, Andre Drummond just comes up and puts 20-20 on you with no problem whatsoever. So I still think they're going to be – I mean, they started so hot last year, you thought maybe they were going to be a lot better. And then they obviously – you know, Avery got hurt, then they did the trade. So I think it's going to take them a year or so to, to find their footing, but they'll be pretty good. Yeah, Am I think Dwight Casey helps. Yeah, I've been sticking to my sleeper that will sneak in this year and you know become a steady, ongoing, decent team in Chicago. I like what the Bulls are doing, but it's all it depends on Levine. They put a lot of money coming off, you know, a major injury. Yeah, so it's Levine, but they have the same thing where right? they have a lot of high lottery talent that you would just yeah. think a couple years in would would actually start to translate. But they put their eggs in Levine's basket. They're hopefully they're. They're hoping Chris Dunn hasn't played his best basketball. But I think Lori Markkinen is going to be really freaking good. I think Wendell Carter is a great fit yeah. for them. So they could be a team where maybe not in the immediate future, but as these guys get to be 22, 23 years old, you know, they're young rookies or second-year players rather, then they're going to be that, you know, home, you know, maybe three, four seed, depending on how the rest of the East looks. Because outside, like, because you think about it, right? Like, what is Milwaukee going to do? if in two to three years they still haven't gotten over the hump. Like, I think they're if, – if you're looking at the, the hierarchy of the teams in the East that are sort of set up for the future, I would think that Milwaukee of the, you know, the Boston, the Phillies, the Indianas, like, they're the ones where you could see if they're not working out, they may just blow everything up to just to try to keep Giannis there. So if they're going to say, hey – if we're a Chicago or we're some of these other teams that have these young rookies, we could be the third, fourth best team in two to three years just because nobody may be left. Yeah, it's interesting with Milwaukee. They're kind of at a crossroad. You know, you got like, they let Jabari walk, which was probably the right move. I mean, he, but he got like 20 million, didn't he? Yeah, he got two, uh, two years, 20 or 40 mil, but the first year guarantees. I mean, for a guy that disappeared in the playoffs. Now, granted, he was coming off of an injury, but, I mean, during the regular season, at least at the end, he looked good. And then in the postseason, it just wasn't there. Kind of bizarre. Right. And outside of, you know, Giannis and Middleton, and Middleton, I think, is already in his, what, 27, 28 range. You know, their stars are a little bit older. Like, even Brogdon, who's, a what, going to be a third-year player, he's already old for, for that year or for that type of player where he's, you know, only in his third year, but he's already 23 or something like that, 24. Um, so I just think they don't have the same sort of shelf life that the Phillies and the Bostons do where their talent is in their low 20s and they're already knocking on the doors of the finals. There's just too big of a gap there where that's your classic sign where we just need to blow it up, rebuild. Hopefully they don't trade Giannis, but, you know, <laughs> I can just see them being the first team of, Who's going to be next in the East? They're going to be the first ones to maybe blow it up. Maybe them in Toronto, depending on what Kawhi does. Yeah, I mean, Toronto for sure. If Kawhi leaves like we think, I think Lowry's off the books. Is, is this his last year of that deal? 
Or is he's either – yeah, it's either last year he's got one more, but same thing. They don't have – you know, OG is, is a great young player, but they don't have that all-star level young talent to sustain anything yeah, after the, the Kawhi Lowry era. No, I like OG too, but it's like a kind of like a Mark Smart on for the Celtics. He's just like a, on a great – on a good to great team, he's invaluable, but on right. a bad team, he's, he serves no purpose. Right. I'm with you. Yeah, and then we'll see. Uh, watch, watch Terry. Uh, as soon as so the Celtics sign, you know, re-sign Kyrie, and that means Terry. I would assume. I mean, watch him go to like Toronto or somebody throw a bag of money at him or Milwaukee. I mean, you know, he could take those jobs, which would be an irony. Yeah, it's it's it sucks when you just have so much good talent you can't keep everybody. You know what I mean? So I'm hoping that. They're, they're figure out some way. Brad does something, some Jedi mind trick with the rotations or something. Just because if you have that sort of depth, like you're just so you're so prepared for any situation in the playoffs. You can handle a guy getting hurt. You can handle a guy having an off night. But at the same time, if someone's going to pay him starter money, like how do you not just say congratulations on your bag? I wish you nothing but the best. Yeah, and that's probably what's going to happen with Terry. Unless, of course, Kyrie – you know, bolts, and then we got a whole, you know, different situation. Right. Then Terry Rozier's a starting point guard, or right? They probably still start Marcus, but that's that's a little bit of a drop, as well as, as Terry played to fill in. I mean, we can be honest and say that's a pretty big drop to go from Kyrie to Rozier. Sure, sure. Um, now, you think for sure t- uh, t- uh, Marcus would smart if they – so let's say Kyrie leaves, they re-sign Terry. You think Marcus would be the guy? I do, just because I think he's the better intuitive passer. I think he feels more roles. He's They're not going to need his scoring based off everybody else that would be on the floor for that. I just think he runs a better pick and roll without Horford than, than Terry does. And then you can have Terry be that go-to shoot first player on that second unit. I think when you take that away from Terry, like how frustrated would you be if Terry goes into one of his little ISO tangents and you have Hayward, Kyrie, and Tatum on the floor. You know what I mean? I'd rather let him play him 30 minutes the same way you do smart, but, you know, let him be the guy on the second unit. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I didn't follow power on the second unit while not sacrificing the playmaking ability in the final. I agree, but I don't know if after the post, you know, he's trying to be the Oh, you broke up. Oh, you broke up a little bit. There you go. <laughs> All right, did you hear what I said? Um, you cut out right. I think you said face a puma. Yeah, so I said, you know, Terry. I think, you know, trying to sell him on, hey, resign with us and back up Marcus or come off the bench. I don't know. I don't know if he's if he would if his people would be like, listen, you know, you got the shoe deal now. You can you know build your own brand. Go sign at a lesser team and you know average twenty points, but you know, you know, you know, sell your brand, you know. Okay, but then they could also say, Terry, you're going to be on the most marketable team in the league that's on TV all the time, and you're going to play thirty minutes a night. So sure, he may not start, but if he's you know making a big impact on what is one of the best teams in the league, maybe that's that's worth the trade off. Could be for him, but, you know, again, when you're in your prime, you know, in mid-20s and, you know, you're scary Terry now, you've got kind of a reputation to play. We all know, we all figured out this year that he can play and he's 
one of the better guards in the East. So, I mean, I, I could see, you know, kind of like a Kawhi situation where his people, you know, get start talking, you know, the, right. the people around him, the people that are marketing him. And that's why I think, you know, if they let him get to restricted free, free agency, they probably won't be able to keep him. But if they're able to, the, I think the only way they're going to be able to keep him is if they reach an early extension. And Ainge has only given an early rookie extension twice in his whole tenure as, uh, as GM of the Celtics. So if they're going to hit the market and there's going to be a team that needs a starting point guard and can offer him 18 19 $20 million, there's no way Ainge matches. But if they're able to extend him for maybe Marcus Smart money, then I don't know. Maybe it's a different story. Well, it's very tradable then as well, too. Like Marcus's deal, everyone said the same thing. Well, if worst case, you can deal it. It's not a you – know, it's right. Very, it's a team-friendly deal. Right. Yeah, and talking about Puma, where the hell have they come from this year? They've just come out of nowhere and started snapping up young, young talent <laughs> deals, man. I don't know. It's, I feel like that happens every couple of years, though. There's just some team out of nowhere that just comes and takes everybody. Yeah, they sign like every rookie it's trying to hit one of those, and then they got Terry, and then uh, they sign. The, the big thing that was in the news was Jay Z's running their basketball like department, so he's going around trying to sell Puma sneakers uh, to NBA <laughs> players. <laughs> I mean, it's working. <laughs> well, I got Terry. Um, we'll see if he, uh, you know, if lands one of the, uh, the, next the big ones. If well, probably not, ends up being the next, you know. Didn't um didn't the Sixers rookie wasn't he wearing Pumas when he broke his foot? Or am I imagining that? Desire Smith wasn't he a Puma guy? He might have been. A lot of the rookies were, so that would make sense. I feel like of the lottery picks, like eighty percent of them signed with Puma, so that would make sense. I don't know though. Yeah, not the best marketing ploy if you know uh, <laughs> somebody wore your shoe and then he was out for the year Rolls. with a broken foot. Yeah, not the best. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but they got Bagley, Aiton, and then obviously, uh, I don't know if they have Doncic. Yeah, I feel like they would get him because he's a Europe guy, but I'm not sure. Puma's not big in Europe, dude. All right, why do I think they were? <laughs> <laughs> Is, Is that it South America or something like that? No. No, maybe I'm thinking just because of Usain Bolt. <laughs> <laughs> just a little Jamaica, no big deal or whatever. <laughs> Close enough. Yeah, I know one where it's putting it here. We've got Jules, we've got Nox, we've got Adidas, that's it. So no one rocks Pumas out there. Well, you guys are missing out, I guess. No, we <laughs> rock them, but like, they're, they're like... Not really. They're not, they're not the go-to. I mean, you wear Puma, nobody's like looking at your kicks or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I've got Puma, it must, uh, must be broke. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude, so uh, we're coming to the end of the podcast now. So just before we uh, wrap it up, is there anything... We haven't touched on that anyone wants to. Grainy, anything you have, you wanted to touch on? Um, just trying to think. I mean, it sounds like you guys are all of the same line of thinking that you know we're looking at a high fifties finals type team. Is that yeah, how I think we're all we're all in that in that boat? I think sixty plus, but again, a lot of things have to break our way, like health. You know, obviously last year we learned, but you know we still won fifty five. But you know, maybe I'm just being. You know, you know. I'm you know, happy with 50s if it guarantees a lot a deeper playoff run, then I'd have done mine in the fourth few more regular season. So I think the regular season's actually really important to the Celtics more so than like Golden State or really anyone else. 
um, in the East just because if you do, if you intend to make the finals, if you're going to beat Golden State, you got to have four at home to even have a shot. It's just my, you know, my my line of thinking there. So, well, I will say, and and I'll, and I'll end with this. I will say that is that makes a lot of logical sense. But anybody who's been paying attention will tell you the Celtics have not lost an Oracle in two years. <laughs> that's true. That's true. So you yeah. never know. There's no way just going on. Though. <laughs> Brett just yeah, gets it. He just he just knows how to be glorious. I don't know why. He just he just gets it. I'm not it's afraid. Effort. I'm not afraid of Golden State. I think their strength think is outside shooting. Our strength is defending the three point line. I think we have the physicality. Golden State does not scare me. There's what. Let me put it this way: playing LeBron James is a harder matchup for the Celtics than matching up with the Warriors. Uh, KD is not an easy matchup either, though. <laughs> it's true, but a nightmare. I think the problem with the difference is KD is more of this long shooter who you have to account for, whereas the Celtics struggle with LeBron because he just overpowers them. If the, if the Warriors don't have any player that can just put his head down and overpower, especially if you think Jalen's going to keep getting stronger and things like that, Hayward, I think, is a lot better than people remember defensively. They have the guys that they can throw at Durant and say, okay, you may be able to shoot over us and we can contest that, but you're not just going to clear out, you know, go four wide and then, you know, on a switch take, you know, a smaller defender or, you know, a different wing player to the rim. So for me, that's why I always think every game that the Celtics play with the Warriors is, is, is relatively competitive, but when they play someone like LeBron in that skill set, that's where you see them, you know, getting blown out. Yeah, we struggled guarding people to drive the lane. I mean, that's um, that's the only way we dropped that one game to the six. Yeah, and it's the same thing with, it's why we always used to, in my mind, struggle with like Toronto and DeMar DeRozan because he's this big athletic wing that just attacks. Whereas, you know, you look at them against teams like, you know, Houston or these Golden State, these teams that rely heavily on perimeter outside shooting, you see the Celtics play both those teams extremely tight. And those were the two best teams in the league. It's your same with Milwaukee because, you know, Giannis can get to the hole. And, exactly. You know, so, like, will. It's, a, it's just a different approach. Like, when you have to – the Celtics struggle with these, you know, one-on-one, on-an-island attacking players. They work better where, you know, if you want to run – because it's much harder to score when you're trying to run, off, you know, Marcus Smart off a screen as it is where I can just, you know, have a 50-, 60-pound weight advantage on Jason Tatum and just attack them. It's just a different style. That's going to be fun to watch, though. These, uh, you know, how these, yeah, the adjustments would uh, be great to see. I mean, yeah, it's best time, best time of you know, in a long time. I'll say that best time in a long time. Yeah, the last couple of years we had decent expectations, but not like this. This is like this reminds me of you know, obviously the KG trade exactly. year with the yeah. This is. This is probably the first time since, you know, that 07, the beginning of that 07 run where the expectations are now parades as opposed to let's just make a deep run. What's your, uh, yeah, I'm definitely, uh, I think we're all here for it. I agree. Need it. <laughs> uh, my livelihood depends on it. <laughs> sure, sure, exactly, exactly. Well, cool. Okay, guys, well, uh, so bear with me one moment, Group. Thank you for coming on. Um, it's been oh, great. Of course. Maybe we can get you on if you like towards like the mid season, round about the All Star break. Yeah, literally, whenever you guys want, just hit me up and uh, we'll find a time. It was fun.
Absolutely great. That's and, awesome. Uh, anybody listening, help, but uh, Barstool Sports, viva. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thanks, dude. All right, Dan. Later. All right, guys, you've been listening to the Celtic Sports Podcast. You can catch us on iTunes and Spotify, and you can also catch us on the website. We've just undergone a rebrand, so we're at pulsesportsmedia.com forward slash Celtics hyphen pulse, and we'll catch you next time.